Hey y'all, this is the Frisco Tile Team. My name is Prithush Patra. And my name is Rodan Gurthi. And today we are coming to you with another podcast in the Tile Podcast series. In today's entry, we're featuring a prominent figure within the surrounding community, Ms. Stephanie Hanrahan. Ms. Hanrahan is a prominent writer and speaker within our community. She actively writes a blog called Tinkles Her Pants and has spoken with TEDx, sharing her struggles and experiences she has faced throughout her life but more importantly, how she has dealt with them and grown from them. Her story inspires and touches countless women all around the world who have shared similar experiences. With that being said, let's get into the first couple of questions we have for you, Ms. Hanrahan. Right, I, was, sounds great. I was hoping you could talk us through how you got started sharing your story. Yeah, so it was in a little bit of an unorthodox way than most writers probably break into the business. I am formerly a labor and delivery nurse. I had to put myself through college, so I wanted to choose a career that was really safe, and I knew I'd have a paycheck when I left school, um, but I always had big dreams of writing and big goals of just um, wanting to do that personally and professionally, um, so I kind of put that on the back burner for my career, and then I became a stay-at-home mom and had two children and just found it lovely and at the same time, really hard and unfulfilling because I was pouring so much of myself into my children and my family and not a lot of room was left for myself. Mm -hmm. So I turned to what I did best, which was journaling and writing. And um, I actually started a private journal on Instagram. Um, I chose Instagram because I didn't have an account at the time and I didn't have a paper journal handy. So I just thought, well, you always have your phone with you and I need a space for me to be my realist self because um, there's a lot going on in my life. My life was hard um, and my children were just recently diagnosed with autism. My husband, who is just this former athlete, epitome of physical health, had just suffered. Um, he, his heart stopped. He flatlined. And so we were recovering from that. So I needed this journal. I needed this space to have this therapeutic writing and healing for myself. So I actually started it the very day my daughter was diagnosed with autism. And for two years, I just took to that account and wrote and no one knew about it, not even my husband. And two years later, I um, had posted our most recent family photos on my public account. And I got all the comments you usually get when you post your perfect pictures. Um, like you're so beautiful, your kids are so cute and you are perfect. And it was that word perfection that just gutted me because I knew that people were seeing my highlight reel but not my real self. Mm -hmm. So I did something a little bold and made that private journal, my private diary public. And I did so to hope to find one person who could understand but to my surprise, I found thousands and my story went viral. And from there, um, personally, I was completely free. I felt like I was finally not alone, but professionally companies and publishers started to take note, like you've got a great story, but you also can really write. Mm -hmm. And so with that attempt to be transparent, my entire life changed. So, so would you say it was really that idea of perfection that put you out there to want to start making your stories public as opposed to keeping them to yourself? Yeah, I think perfection is a slippery slope because we think, um, per, per, you know, perfectionism equals protection, like an armor. Like if I'm perfectly viewed and perfectly seen, then um, 
I'll be more accepted. And for me, it was the complete opposite. I felt like no one knew who I really was. Um, because a lot of the things that I've gone through or my family has gone through, you can't see in a photo. You can't see in a photo my children's autism or my husband's failing heart or my anxiety and depression. And so it became almost more of a burden um, pretending than it was just to be real. And that doesn't dismiss the fact that it was entirely scary to take that risk. But just looking at the statistics, like autism is one in 54 children. So I knew theoretically somebody in my circle or my extended circle online had to have a child with autism and either wasn't sharing it um, or wasn't ready to share it. And so maybe by doing sharing my story, I would free someone else to do the same. And that's exactly what happened. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely really uh, inspiring and in how you like came up like that. Uh, let me just take it back just a little, like how important was formal education within your experience and how like prior to you getting started, did it play a big role or like a major role in your overall success? Yeah, so I, I mean, formal education is incredibly important. I mentioned I was a nurse before, so even though I am now doing marketing and writing and speaking, I would not change a single thing about that. Um, I think what makes me such a good creator now is experience and um, you gain education, but also experience when you have um, education and training. So I think um, if I could go back, I wouldn't change anything about my story because I am where I am now because of every speed bump and hurdle, but also um, maybe I would have honed in on how I could pursue my passion earlier in life. Um, and not just leave it to happenstance, but also hard work and pursue a degree, maybe in my passion instead of playing it safe. Yeah. I definitely think like that's a question that like a lot of our viewership would be wondering because we are primarily students trying to go towards whatever field that we desire. And I feel like formal education is usually brought up as a topic, you know. So. Yeah, and, and just to add on to Ronith, I, I agree completely that Sometimes, at least for students, the idea of formal education is something that becomes so often associated with like a safe career path as opposed to what you actually want to do as a passion. So I, I know touching on that idea of doing what you want as opposed to what you think is safe is definitely something that is important to understand, especially at our age. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's a fine line. So I mentioned earlier, I put myself through college. Um, I had some help from my parents, but really my parents were both teachers. It's not like I was receiving tons of you know, funding. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that I could you know, pay off my loans and, and get a job. And I knew with nursing, there was going to be a hospital or a doctor's office anywhere, right? So no matter where I moved or where I needed to move, I would have a job. And I think that's really important because it also strategically played into how I could then pursue my passion too in a realistic way. So for nursing, you can work three days a week, which is what I did. I worked three 12 hour shifts. And on the four days I had off, I had the liberty to write and explore, right? Um, so I think that it's finding what works best for that individual. You have to be practical pay your bills right but then you also can pursue your passion it's just carving out the time to do so right so i, I know you you touched on this a little bit and that idea that experience really was one of the biggest things where you found 
learning per se. Is, is that what you consider to be your biggest source of learning? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the more you can get out into the world, the more you're going to learn about it. I grew up in a really, really small town. Everybody looked the same as me. Everybody um, drove the same cars and lived in the same homes. Mm -hmm. And there was this urge inside of me that there was something more. Um, so at 17, when I graduated, I went to college a few hours away. And then after I graduated and worked for a few years, I just got this this urge that I needed to um, get outside of Florida, which is where I was from. And so I packed whatever could fit into my tiny two-door car and drove to Texas and took a job in Dallas. And it was going to be my first stop of many. Um, I did end up meeting my husband here, which is why I'm still in Texas 10 years later. Mm -hmm. But it was, I think more importantly, is that, that urge, that desire to experience different people and places. I have learned more from that than I ever have from in a classroom. Yeah. Um, I know you touched on this and you just addressed like how many um, different challenges you have throughout your personal life. And I really found that interesting, but did you like actually have any like main hurdles or like obstacles in your way throughout your timeline from start to beginning of your projects or whatever jobs you've done? Well, I mean, so here's the thing about writing and having such a um, broad social, you know, figure and appearance persona <laughs> is that you are putting yourself out there to be criticized and critiqued. And so um, that would have been a very big hurdle for me if I didn't manage it correctly. So here, here's an example. When I first started writing publicly, the very first week I launched my blog, I got two articles picked up by a really, really big publication, international publication. I was so excited because I thought, oh my goodness, this means I'm a real writer. And I um, stayed up all night, waited for those articles to go live. And when they did, the comments poured in and I'm reading each one and they were mixed, right? Because we have a lot of, um, there's a lot of different views out there, especially online. People are pretty bold and brave. And so I got really great support. And then I got people who were saying some really not so nice things. And um, it was just, and the article was so simple. I think it was about like breastfeeding and motherhood. It was, it was arguably one of the safest articles I've ever written. And from that point forward, because it made me feel so bad, right? Because you focus sometimes on the negative more than the positive. It made me feel so bad. And it felt like such a hurdle that I had a moment where I was like, do I want to do this? Do I really want to share? Do I really want to put myself out there? Do I want to pursue this profession where I'm putting myself up to be critiqued? And then the answer was just a resounding yes. Yeah, I my job is to share my truth, is to write stories that I see and to write them well. My job is not to manage response. And from that point forward, I have never read a single comment on any of my publications. When I did my TED talk, when I did um, the Today, Today Show articles, when I do CNN, nothing. I don't read them. So I don't know if they're saying I'm a world-class writer or I'm a deadbeat, right? I just mm -hmm. know that my job is done if I release good, true work into this world. Um, so that was a hurdle that I had to choose to overcome. Yeah, definitely. I see like a lot of the influencers and like people with good ideas just don't put themselves out there because they're afraid of the general public or what the general opinion will be regarding whatever they're doing. 
And so your main advice would be in simple terms to just to a point along with time, just stop looking at what other people are doing and just go towards your own goal. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I mean, stay, stay in your lane, have your eyes fixed on what you really, what is your intent? If your intent is to get a million likes and have a million people validate you that way, that's fine, but know that that comes at a cost, right? My intent was never that. I mean, I wrote to a private journal for two years, so I still write the same exact way with truth in a very raw form, and I still write as if no one is watching. So my intent was always to be authentic and real to myself, going back to pretending. I spent so much of my life pretending. Um, so yeah, that would be my best advice is when you identify what your goal is, you have to make sure that you are undeterred by the obstacles because they will come. Of course, of course. Well, to, to build upon that, um, I know as somebody who's seen their own success in their passion, I was hoping you could offer some advice to people listening about how they can set themselves up to succeed in what they're passionate about, whether that be through education, whether that just be through the way they carry themselves, if there's any advice you could provide there. Yeah, I mean, grit is a good word that comes to mind. So it's it's really, like I said, it's hardworking, it's happenstance. So for every article that I've had go viral or get published or go really big, I've had a hundred other equally as well-written pieces that go nowhere. So um, I would say grit, passion, perseverance, all of that, and knowing that um, when you see people who are victorious, it often doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, having realistic goals, small goals help. Um, I love being able to check things off my list, um, but then also really big, large visionary goals. Yeah, the insight that you've addressed so far has been great for our viewers, but um, I, I was also thinking that like we can move into questions that detail your past background and success a little bit more in depth, like personally, just for you, regarding like your experience as well as um, situations you faced. So I want to start off with the idea of, per of perfectionism, as you mentioned earlier. So you may know like countless students within high school and young adolescents in general struggle with the overall idea of being perfect or reaching that golden standard. Do you have any advice on how to stop this overarching idea of perfectionism from taking over a student and their personal as well as professional life in high school? Yeah, so I, I am glad that I didn't have social media or an online presence in high school because that is hard. It's hard enough to be authentically you offline, but then online too is I'm sure increasingly more difficult. Here's the deal. I just think that you have to have a space to be your realest self. And if you feel like making that, making your private journal public like I did in a really big, grand, bold way, then do it. But also, um, it was just as helpful and therapeutic for me to do that behind the scenes too. And what ended up happening is even though there was two years where I was posting my pretty parts, you know, publicly and then concealing my crack, cracks privately, I got practice at being my realest self 
if only to myself, right? If that makes sense. So I was writing and saying the things I really wanted to say in that journal on that Instagram. And I got so used to being myself that soon when I was going to my public page and, you know, posting my pretty photos, it didn't feel good anymore. It felt really icky. And so I think that that was a turning point for me. When people started commenting about my perfection, I was like, oh, I don't like perfection anymore. That doesn't feel good because I had practice at being myself. So whether you choose to do that on a journal or to a friend or to a therapist or to your mother or father, it doesn't matter as long as you have a space to be your realest self. Um, And not everything has to be done publicly right away. Get your bearings first, get practice at being who you are. And I promise there will be people who go, me too. I feel that too. They were just too afraid to say it and were waiting for someone else to respond. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's especially relevant even now with the the, the pandemic that we're kind of in. Uh, this isolation that a lot of like people, especially who are just entering high school are feeling is something that makes for the idea of perfection to be even more glaringly like sought at. Because you you only see that that whatever someone posts on social media or something like that, you you often don't see the deeper things that they're facing because of the isolation that has been created as a result of all of the the pandemic and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And I think, um, you know, logically, right, even as an adult, when I would scroll through social media um, before I was sharing who I really was, I was smart enough to know, okay, these people have hardships. It's not all, you know, pretty vacations and perfect married couples. No, I knew that logically, but when that's all you see, it's really hard to believe that anyone else can feel what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have great hope for our generation and changing that. I mean, just what you guys are doing today with, you know, sharing stories of real people. I think is incredibly important. It just bridges the gap, right? We all stand on each other's shoulders and one collective voice may not get heard, but many will. Mm -hmm. Well, I was hoping you could elaborate on not just this idea of perfection, but some of the things that you've seen throughout your work, because obviously you've had a very diverse range of experiences, starting with your education, then your work in the medical industry to being a stay-at-home mom and now where you're at right now as a writer and speaker. How have you seen, not just the idea of perfection, but other ideas that people hold very close to them, how have you seen them warp and change as you move through these different, say, roles? Mm. Well, I don't know what the common denominator would be, except to say that people really want to know that they matter Mm -hmm. and um, that they are seen and heard. And that goes back to my labor and delivery days when I was delivering babies. And that mom just wants to know that in that middle of, you know, before the birth of every baby is excruciating pain, right? She wants to know that she's supported, she's seen, she's heard. She wants a space to say, I'm really excited about motherhood, but I'm also really nervous. And people are human. They just want to feel what they're feeling and be able to say it and share it. And that's what I've also seen in my career now as a writer and speaker is that when I talk to people, when I get off stage, it's that not that they have had the same exact story as me, right? Because my story is unique, um, but they have felt the same things. So I'll have people write to me and say, I totally understand what you feel when you talk about 
guilt or when you talk about grief. I talk about grief a lot because I had this idea in my head of what my kids and my family would look like. And it's totally different now. So that's a feeling that like teenagers experience. <laughs> it's a feeling that, mm-hmm. um, you know, elderly adults experience grief, loss, right? So we may not be experiencing the same obstacle at that moment, but the emotion is the same. And people just want to, people just want to have a space to share it. That's it. So if you can build an app or build a brand or, or get online and share your truth and you're an influencer with a big platform, give people the space to be themselves. Mm-hmm. That's it. Hmm. Branching off what you said uh, regarding like your different roles and stuff, how were there any like specific jobs or occupations that you had that crossovered in a way or like did your education cross over? And if so, like, um how did you actually manage the time because like so many students at my age as well as as we grow up time management becomes really essential and i've seen like you've done so much throughout your past like how did time management really play a role and like how did you almost handle that entire situation throughout the duration of your career yeah there's this brilliant quote that says time isn't something you have it's something you make And I think that's really powerful because everyone's like, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. No, you don't make the time. Um, And and believe me, it's hard to steal a few moments here or there. But I was once once given really brilliant advice by, um, she's a New York Times bestselling author, Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love and all these phenomenal books. And she said, she wrote to me after I had sent her a message and said, I, um, I have this idea that I want to write. This is before I had any sort of writing career. I want to write a book so badly, but I just had a baby. And now the message that I'm getting for the world from the world is I should just be a mom. And, but I have this idea, I have this book idea. What do I do? But I don't have time. I don't have time for both. And she wrote back to me and she said, Stephanie, hear this, hear me now. Toni Morrison wrote the book Song of Solomon when she was a single mother working full-time as an editor. If she can make space for it, so can you, if only for the reason to model what a full and complete life looks like for a woman. And in that moment, I I knew she was right. And I finished um, writing my first book, which I ended up shelving and it's probably a complete disaster if I looked at it now because this was like six or seven years ago, but I finished it when my daughter was eight weeks old. So it can be done. Time can be made. It's just where are you prioritizing? Those 10 or 15 minutes that you even zone out and scroll on your phone at night can be used to scroll through coding or um, app development or whatever you're into, right? So it's the allotment of time. I definitely see where you're coming from and I wanted to address something more towards the motivation side as well because as you may know motivation is not something that can arrive within everyone like a lot of students don't get not only the time but also like they're not motivated to a certain extent because there's not pressure for them to do something in life or it's almost like there's no necessity for them to really do certain things or achieve certain things within their certain time period. So where do you you draw motivation for say, like for uh, your blog and how did you find working on the blog itself impact you as a person? Well, I mean, I think that 
motivation can be both internally, <clears throat> excuse me, and external. So external motivation for me would be, let's say I write an article and it gets picked up by a major publication and I either get paid for that or I get um, a certain amount of follower growth from it, right? So I'm getting externally validated. So of course that is motivating. That's motivating for my business. That's motivating for my brand. Then there's the type of internal motivation, right? That I am writing something and maybe it gets one comment from a woman in South Dakota who says, I needed to read that right now. And that changed my life. And that is the kind of internal motivation that keeps me going on the blog. I have heard from, my goodness, I don't know how many people, but I know I have heard from women in over a hundred different countries. Um, and so it is, that is motivating, right? To know that the work that you're doing is reaching somebody that you perhaps will never meet in real life. And you may never understand the ripple effect of your work. Um, so again, this goes back to like, passion. What are you into? What are you, what piques your interest? What makes you curious? People use the word creative and, and it gets a bad rap. Like I'm not creative. I don't write. I don't do art, but what are, replace creativity with curiosity. What are you curious about? And whatever that answer is, follow it. And then you will be motivated to succeed in some level or area of that passion. It's, it's interesting, that idea of curiosity. I've never actually heard it put that way. I know motivation and passion is something that even talking to other students like myself, especially with the onslaught of like junior year where college apps are coming up and you have to figure out what you want to do. People always talk about motivation as something that will eventually hit you. Like you're going to find your passion eventually. It's something that will come to you. But the idea of curiosity, it's very interesting because then I feel like you would actively want to grow and learn, right? And that's definitely something that can be a huge motivator to make sure you're improving and growing in whichever field you want to go into. Yeah, absolutely. And curiosity can be done right now, right? It's something that you can just say, what am I, what am I interested in? And it can change. And that's okay. The things that I was curious about 10 years ago aren't the things I'm curious about right now. Um, so it can be an ever-changing thing, but certainly something that you could ask yourself. Uh, here and now as you're getting ready to make those big decisions. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Ms. Hanrahan, so much. We, I feel like we've really talked about some things that are really, really helpful for a lot of students who, who needed some guidance and just some insight into what the professional world and the idea of passion is like in their future. So it, I think you've provided some information that is extremely helpful and will, will help a lot of students improve their standing and their experience right now and as they go into the future. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Yeah, thanks again, Ms. Hannah. And um, thank you. thanks for listening to our second Tao podcast. For more information, please follow our Instagram at Frisco Tao and make sure to stay tuned for our upcoming podcasts. Thank you.